This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. We serve an awesome God. Greater than the greatest. Bigger than the biggest. Higher than the highest. The ruler over the whole universe. We magnify you here, Lord. Accept our worship. Let the memorial be raised for it in the heavens. And please look down upon us with pleasure. In the next few minutes, pour down your blessing upon us. Touch us where only you can touch us. And let your name be glorified. Thank you, eternal Father. In Jesus' marvelous name, we have worshipped. Let's put our hands together for the Lord as we sit down majestically. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We thank God for the month of July, the month of glory. And we pray that as much of his glory that has rested upon us shall permanently remain in Jesus' name. You will shine. Uh, In the name that's above all names, you will shine. You will shine for God. And you will shine for yourself. People will see you and say, see the glory of God. The exhortation I have for us this afternoon is titled Enduring Glory. We are quite aware that in this generation, there are many situations that we can call flash in the pan. The flash in the pan experience is something that comes and goes. We find that some people of much importance and glory yesterday, they are no more now. But the plan of God is not that your glory will be temporary. It's supposed to be a glory that will go into all eternity. And the Bible tells us on many instances that uh, that's the plan of God. It says, it is he that endures to the end that shall be saved. That's in Matthew 24, verse 13. Apostle Paul, when he finished well, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he said, I've fought a good fight. Say, I've finished my race. I've kept the faith. So that was the man that finished well. Uh, my prayer for you and I once again is that we shall finish well. Because glory will begin to manifest in our lives. And the grace to keep it to the very end, the Lord will grant unto us. So, I'll quickly mention to us five things that we notice in the lives of those who shone to the end. Those who kept shining to the end. Before I go into mentioning them, please remember that maybe yourself, your story is like, ah, in those good days, that would never be a saying you will ever say again. 
of us, we probably looked at what could have been that has not been. But by the mercy of the Lord, as we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us much more than I will say, I take note of these five things that we have noticed in the lives of those who kept shining to the end. We ourselves, we will experience the same. Number one thing that we found in their lives, and if I were to use character studies, I would have probably used two people in this scripture, David and Joseph. Those are two people who had a lot of challenges, but somehow they finished well. David was a good example of a man that manifests or manifested this first point that we mentioned. And what is the first thing we notice in the life of David? And that we notice in the lives of those that are shown to the end, the fourth negativity. There's so much negativity in our world. Uh, everybody, the whole atmosphere is filled. Nobody articulates anything from the positive anymore. Politically, socially, everything is about being negative. Um, even in the situation that we find ourselves in this our country, we find out that both proponents of one view or the other, whether to live or remain, it, they came from negative end. Uh, if we stay uh, within the organization, then it's as if the whole earth will come to an end. If we leave, it's as if Armageddon has started. And so we find out that human beings, especially in this generation, we cover what God wants to do with negativity. Negativity is a cloud, and you need to fight it by all means. Let's leave the political and social arena for now. Let's go straight into the church. One of the things that pains me most about the church of the 21st century is the way that we have got so negative. There's so much of we can't do. There's so much of talking about the opposition we are facing as if we don't have Jesus on our side. Many times when we go out witnessing, the kind of fear and trepidation that follow us pains my heart. And simply because there's too much of negativity. There's too much of exalting the opposition without remembering that the opposition must be taught to opportunity. I pray that from now on, that grip of negativity shall be broken. There's always a superior plan to the plan of your opponent. You only need to find it. There's always a superior plan to the plan of the enemy. And most of the time, we act, we plan, and we act defensively. We're always contesting and fighting what people are doing. If you are not fighting abortion in the society, we are fighting, uh, you know, issue of LGBT, and it's as if everybody's one step ahead of the church. It's my message for you today. By the mercy of the Lord, we shall be like the first church. They didn't live as a pressure group because the church has become a pressure group. You know what a pressure group is? A pressure group is one that has found something that is not right and they are fighting to change it. We should not be a pressure group. We should be a power group. A power group does not wait until things bad happen. They dictate what happens. And that's what I believe the plan of God for the church is. When you are fighting as a pressure group, you are reactive. When you are acting or, or fighting or, or acting in the tone of a power group, you are proactive. 
And that's why through the scripture, the Bible made very clear unto us that Jesus never went around complaining. He just chose to do things along the line that God has ordained it to be. That's why he said of him in Acts chapter 10 verse 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with Holy Ghost and power. You remember that in your Bible. Who went about doing good? For God was with him. And Jesus, throughout the time he was here, he used only one thing. And personally in your life at work or corporately, and we need to talk more about the unity of the body of Christ, about our strength together. Most of the time we run alone. We run alone as individuals in the local church. We run alone as, as, as churches in the city. Somebody came to me before. He said, why is it that churches in your city don't collaborate? I said, go and ask all the churches. Go and ask. Why is it that we don't work together? And I'm not just passing the buck. I know many have tried. But that is going to change in the name of the Lord. Because we are stronger together. And so, I'm speaking, starting this particular you know, sharing with you from the position of collective responsibility. It's a collective responsibility to stand and fight negativity. To take the bull by the horn. To go out in the power that Christ has given unto us. And we shall see many glorious changes taking place in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when the people started doubting him as they are doubting us. He didn't use any method we are using. You know the method he used? In John chapter 10, verse 38. Because there are two people that Jesus addressed in those days. He had to contend with dissenters. And that's in John chapter 10, verse 38. He was trying to tell them to believe in him. He said, but if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Hallelujah. He said, talk sometimes. People can't believe talk, but they believe works. They believe what you are doing. If people have agenda about sinful plans and living in sin and all those nonsense, rather than not spending time on that, let us shine so bright that people themselves, they will know we're special people. Then if we talk against what they are doing, it is easy to know that you better listen to these people. We put in all efforts in our time, especially as a local church now, that by the special grace of God, the bulk of the light will be shining outside there. And that's why we've engaged in a lot of spending just to get that place ready next door. So there's going to be a focal point in the city where young people can come in, they can rather than roam around and do what is not right. I'll be with the youth minute I finish after the service. So if I don't stay behind to, you know, see people, please know that's where I've gone. I've just gone next door so that I can share with them the vision more. And they are very powerful evangelists, those children. You just need to give them the tool. If they can be comfortable with what you have given them and they can be proud of the environment, they are, they are more than willing to tell them this is a place that, you know, they can find Jesus. Brethren, there shall be no more negativity in the church of Jesus. You know, testimonies were being shared uh, during the last festival of life in London. There were glorious things that the Lord did. How many of us watched the program? I saw some of the testimonies. Ah, you missed. Go back, type London Holy Ghost... Uh, Festival on your YouTube. I'm surprised you didn't watch that. I wasn't even going to share the testimony. But one of the things that the pastor Shola said, who did the testimony, he said, who says that God is not in England? He said, who says that God is not in Excel? He said, who says that God is not in Festival of Life? 
a woman barren for how many years? 38 years. Gave birth at the age of 60. Will be turning 60 this year, I think she said. Almost 60. Who says that God is not doing magic things in the church? Your story is a testimony that God has done magic things in you. The good thing is that I know some of our stories. I know where God has brought us from. A man with 12% function of the heart. 12%. When he said 12%, I knew within my heart that without any shadow of doubt, give that man a few months. If he doesn't have a heart transplant, he will just he will die. In good places, if there have been resources, probably should have been given augmented function of the heart. Maybe put a temporary, you know, automatic pump there for him. And yet, that man went back to the doctor for the pre-op to have the operation for the heart transplant done. What did they find? 100% function of the heart. And you are telling me God is still not doing mighty things. Look deep. Look inside. Let's stop the negativity. Can I hear you made onto that one? And anywhere you have the opportunity, magnify Jesus. Don't magnify the devil. Don't talk about what he's doing. He's always been doing it. Hallelujah. And he will continue to do it. But despite that, our light shall shine brighter. Amen. Your light shall shine brighter. Amen. And one of the things I will mention, the other points as, as I go on, is to let you know that the big thing you are waiting for, that's not what you wait for. But I'll tell you, that about, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about that later on. There are stories in your life that you can tell. Hallelujah. Amen. I was somewhere before. Those were supposed to be stale stories about me. That I had three near-death experiences. Once I died on the operating table. One time I was telling folks and I said, water carry me. We were little children. We went playing and then, you know, it was, we went to my, my, my aunt, my mom's immediate younger sister. In one of the towns in the west, in the western part of Nigeria. Long story cut short, two boys, my first cousin, just only one year younger than I, and we were real rascal at that stage. He was more rascally than I, I was. He's not here to defend himself. Anyway, we went to the river, and for some reason, we were throwing things in the water and doing everything. The next thing I did was to put my, my, my foot in the, water, in the river to wash. You know those fast-flowing rivers? And with a lot of moss, green there. As I landed there, the torrent was heavy. It carried me. The boy looked at and screamed. In fact, when I still remember that picture, it still flashes in my head for some wonderful reason because I couldn't even swim. So it's not a matter of swimming and if you could swim, I don't know how you want to swim, swim against the current. Long story cut short, a twig of tree came from nowhere and caught me. And I can mention, if I, as I mentioned it, that's one, I even have two, or small, two other smaller experiences that I had. Just had an injection in the hospital, I passed away. Now, don't tell me that God has not got a plan for my life. Don't tell me that I'm just an accident. And wherever you go, tell your story. The child that took you so long to give back to, but you eventually gave back to the child. Was it the first time somebody was giving a testimony about a child that was supposed to be dead, but they were celebrating that the child is alive now? Because when the child was in the womb, I think the birth of the child will have been, you know, I have so many testimonies. In actual fact, one of the things I want to tell you now, please listen to a lot of testimonies. Because there are two testimonies in the world. There's the testimony of the devil and the testimony of God. What we need, people need evidence. Somebody say evidence. 
And if you are a solicitor, a lawyer in this room, if I make this mistake, just keep quiet. I believe legally, there are two types of evidence that can make a case to be won. Amen? I think there's what they call the direct evidence. I don't direct evidence who have the physical things to show for it, isn't it? There's what also they call the circumstantial evidence. Circumstantial evidence is that where we don't see anything. Let me give you a good example of circumstantial evidence. Circumstantial evidence because we have this evidence as believers. And the world is about presenting your evidence to the unbelievers, to the world, and they will know God's glory is still available. A circumstantial evidence is that maybe I, um, let me pick a good one. Let's say possibly I, do we have, we have a train station there. Let's say I was at a train station. Hmm? And then I met somebody and I told the person that it's been raining. But when I said it's been raining, the person couldn't see the rainfall. He couldn't see any sign of the rain. But not long after I said it's raining, a few people came in, one with an umbrella, the umbrella dripping, another one with water on the body. We didn't see the rain, did we? But did we see somebody wet? Did we see an umbrella wet? And they are just coming in, planting inside. That's an evidence that's been raining. And there are many things in our lives that are circumstantial evidences. Your existence is circumstantial evidence that God is still making something out of nobody. Don't tell me that God's hand is not available to make things happen. A direct evidence is there are miracles and signs. So, brethren, I beg of you in the name of the Lord, if we will keep this light shining, we must fight negativity. Can I, can I hear amen unto that one again? Because of my time. Let me give you one Bible verse. Acts chapter 4, verse 16. And to stir our hearts up, whatever you look for, that's what you get. If you look for evidence for your faith, you go with the evidence. What does it say? Start from verse um, 13, please. Uh, 15, that can make more sense. Now when they saw, all right, okay, leave it there. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Amen? Keep going, please. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them. What is that? On the law of evidence, what is that? Is that circumstantial direct evidence? Okay? Standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Verse 15. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. Okay? Verse 16. Say, what shall we do to this man? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is, is to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. May your worst enemies say that about your life. And that's so you can present your case before God today and say, Lord, I want you to use me as a case study to prove that you are still doing mighty things. This case is bad. This case, believe you me, it cannot be solved. But I know that if you resolve this case for me, I promise to tell everybody, I use that as an evidence that God is still doing mighty things in people's lives. So that's why I said, turn your position to opportunities. Turn your position to opportunities. 
Stories come from time to time of difficult cases that, you know, one of the testimonies, I think during the first one of life, is that a cold case, you know, about immigration problems. Suddenly, the people that forgotten all about it, they woke up one day and they gave it to them. I have another one that has happened here. Many more will go to happen like that. Many more that have happened before. God has not changed. And your case will not be the one that is impossible for God. Because with God, nothing shall be impossible. Hallelujah. 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 You will live here and you will live here confident and bold that your God is powerful. You will not live here at the mercy of people. You will set God up for a miracle. You will talk boldly about him. Tell the health officials with wisdom and respect. And I say, well, I know I agree with you. Things are bad. I totally agree with you. And please keep doing what you are doing. But I will go back and pray as well and see what God will do. As time goes on, you begin to talk with more confidence. And I say, you know what? I might, you might not see me next month. Not because I'm dead, but because I will have been healed by then. Put God to test. And I'm not asking you to do something in a nasty and unwise way. But there are ways you can put God on the spot. You agree with me? Even we human beings, you've put some of us on the, in, the, you know, in trouble before. You know, go and ask pastor to go and pray for situations in which, well, if you do that, I'll ask you to go and pray yourself. Amen. But God is able. Hallelujah. We don't need to be afraid of that. Hallelujah. Number two, very quickly, because for our time, those that had enduring glory or that shone to the end, they knew and followed the first law of human engagement. I will unpack that for you. They knew the first law of human engagement and they followed or practiced that first law of human engagement. Hallelujah. <sighs> Do you know human beings of all the creations of God, we don't know how God created the angels, but for the ones that we know, there's something, we are about the smallest, we are about the most fickle, we are about the weakest in all the creations of God. Have you noticed that? And yet, we are so unique because we share one characteristic with God. I'll tell you that characteristic in, in a moment. But before I tell you, you are aware that they are doing the 50th uh, anniversary of moon landing, or you are not following things like that? It's all over the news. Sometimes it gets boring, but it doesn't matter. And you know, when they do all those things, sometimes I just make you know, a quick check about some facts and figures. And um, I actually, you know, I believe that most of these scientific predictions or, or evidences or facts, as they call them, that they are very close to the truth. One of the things I find out that there are other planets that are livable apart from Earth, not Mars, not even the moon. Moon is very harsh. They say we can't live on the moon. The condition there is horrendous. Um, atmosphere thing, blah, blah, blah. But the, the, the scientists have found out that there are actually some other planets that are livable. And how do they know? They, they have proofs that they send there. So they have an atmosphere like us. The temperature is similar to what we have on Earth. Um, they believe they have soil and everything. Um, by cosmic terms, they are not very far from us, these planets they're talking about. And they said there are very many that possibly they can be up to a billion. I know. 
not a million, a billion of them. And so in, in cosmic terms, they are close. It's just about 12 light years away. They are very close. Now, a light year is the distance that light will travel in one year. And light travels at the rate of 186,000 miles per second. 670 million miles per hour. So, multiply that by the number of hours in a year and multiply that by 12. Those are where those close planets are. And every one of those planets, God did not use a finger to create them. He spoke them. Just by the word of his mouth. We also learn that there are many galaxies in the world. Our galaxy, now the one I mentioned to you is within our galaxy. What is the name of our galaxy? Mickey, we are very good, science class. Oh. In our galaxy, they said that the one I mentioned is within, but how many galaxies there are? They say about 100 billion galaxies. This God. And yet, in fact, when I read those facts, I discovered that human beings were underperforming because God wants us to perform better than we are doing. The longest flight you can make on the earth now, commercial flight, is used to be about 17 hours um, somewhere in Singapore to somewhere in the U.S., but another aircraft have now come that they can now do 19 hours. I think that's from Singapore to New Jersey. If you take the whole earth and spread it out, you know, we're circumference, about 24 miles, 24,000 miles, that's all. That's our, it's not a big place in cosmic terms. And yet human beings to travel from one end to the other, it takes us so long. What am I saying? That the power of the creation of God is beyond what you can imagine. And every one of those things, I'm giving you figures and those things to tantalize you, to let you know how big, how great God is. Now, that is not where I'm going. I've spoken to you about how small the earth is and all our little effort to conquer it. We go to the moon, we are celebrating, and God that made it, God will just look like that and we see the farthest galaxy. And yet we burn all half of the fuel in the world just to get to the moon. So somebody said actually that in, in scientific terms, all that we know about space travel and all these things we are talking about is like us and chariot stage we are on. I believe we are still at the stage of actually walking. We've not even started us and chariots at all. Now, this is where I'm going. Galaxy 1, Galaxy 2, Galaxy 1 billion, Galaxy 100 billion. God did what? But when God wanted to create you, he used his hand and he breathed into us. And immediately, that made us different from all those galaxies. So, every human being that walks around, if you are from the stock of Adam, do you know, what you are? Do you know who you are? All those things are created things. But you are a created creator. We are called to create. When I was tinkering with that, I said, Lord, I, I hope this is not heresy. And I was getting Bible verses here and there. And, and presto, I was just surfing through the internet looking at other things. And I got a message. I think it was actually said by a woman I, represent, I respect very much, Pastor uh, John C. Uh, Odeshola. I've never even had, I've never had that idea before. That actually, we are created creators. Creator with a small C. 
Then, of course, by the time I started looking to the Bible, I found out that Psalm 82, verse 6 says, That know you know that he are God, and all of you are the sons of the Most High. Psalm 82, verse 6, isn't it? So, if I am God, and the primary purpose of God is that to be a creator, and I'm not going to challenge you now to now link that into our topic today, to be an enduring glory, you are called to be a creator with a small c. What are you creating? Consumers will always be at the mercy of creators. We are good at consuming. And please, before you start taking pride in the Jaguar or the Benz or the whatever you are riding or your eight-bedroom house, which would be nice to have, but to be honest, I'd rather contribute something that is lasting. What are you creating? Your glory will only stand when you become a creator with a small C. That is why when Christians are anti-science, I say, don't you know our Father has called us to be creators? We should be in the forefront of it. Are you anti-science? What's wrong with you? <laughs> he put the spirit in us. And every knowledge we have to go to the moon, to go to mass, to everything. We Christians, we should be keen into that because that's what he's called us to do. Let your light so shine that the world may know that your Father is mighty. Before everything gets start getting bastardized, it's a fairly strong word to use, but as it is, we say it as it is, all the foremost researchers and, and, and people, they were people of faith. I pray God will transport you and translate you from being a consumer to be a creator. Amen. To shake your village where you came from. Amen. Start from there. Do something somebody has never done before. From now on, we shall be doing more thinking. If I make by the special grace of God, achieve that amongst believers, that we are at the cutting edge of great things. I know the work is done. And yes, we have the capacity. How many of you have had insight into things you've never known before? Maybe you pick the scripture, something just jump out. Maybe you are going somewhere or things are difficult at work. Those things are supposed to be extended onto the level of sharing with the rest of the world. But number three, very quickly. I'll just share with you, pray a small prayer for you today. But I pray the word will work. Amen. I said the word will work. Amen. The church must shine. Amen. The glory of the Lord must be seen through us. Amen. Number three. Is that those who shine to the end... They walk by what they walk by the instruction of what I call is a course in, in all of eternity. What I call um, divine principle 101. Divine principle 101. They know it. But most people don't know it. What is divine principle 101? Any guess? I'll tell you. Start small. Start small. Tell somebody, start small. And God used that through all creation. If I use that through, he's still using it now. If I start going to the scripture, either it is Job chapter 8, verse 7, he said, Who is, he said uh, though your beginning may be small, your latter age shall be very great, isn't it? Or Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, where she says, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, put that on the screen for us. He said, for you has despised the day of small things. 
Yes, those are scriptural evidences. But what are the direct evidence from God? Those are circumstantial evidences. What are the direct evidence? That truly God believes that the way to go for every human being who will have an enduring glory, who will shine for a long time, is to start small. Look at God himself. How did he do it? God wanted human beings in billions, isn't it? He created one. He started small. One. After that, gave him a woman and said, that couple populate the whole earth. Sorry, God that spoke stars into space. Please advise me. Is it not possible for him to make one billion people? But he's telling us something. Start small. God wanted a nation at a time, a special nation of people. You know what God did? He looked for a man and a woman that were childless. And when they eventually had a child, they had only one. Actually, the Abraham and Sarah were supposed to have how many children? One. And that was principle. I want a nation. No, don't stand. I'll, I'll bring the application to you now. So you've been sitting down there waiting for the brick bake. Please stop it today. Go and start something. That comes harsh. That comes hard. Start small. It's a principle that God, Jesus Christ wanted thousands of believers to follow him. He himself was born as a single man, never married, and decided to just gather a small group of people. In fact, the, how many disciples did he first have before he eventually chose twelve out of the many? He had only Nathaniel that followed him. Was it Nathaniel? Which one followed him first? The first one he called, then after that, the son of Zebedee, then after that, Peter. Huh? John chapter 2. Anyone who was the first one that followed Jesus, go back and check that. But the principle remains sound, brethren. Start small. Amen. Uh, because that is disturbing your theology. It's disturbing the big thing you are looking for. If you've not been saving, start saving now. If you've not been investing, start investing now. Start with 10 pounds. And see what God will do. It is the core of the way God does things. Number four, very quickly. Those who shine to the end, they never walk alone. They never walk alone. They recognize that low rangers are in great danger. Some of you, you want to, 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 you know, to make it alone. It doesn't happen. After recognizing that sometimes partnerships is what God is waiting for you to have, to be able to break through. Partnership in your study, partnership in your career, partnership in your business, partnership in your ministry. And that's why the church is suffering. We are not doing partnership. The world is doing partnership. Have you two seen the way companies, they come together and merge with the same goal? I was driving up um, Union Street and I got to Auburn Junction. And I saw something very funny there <laughs> that we Christians, we need to learn from. There used to be, there had always been, there, who, who are the older Badonians here? There was a bank, there's, um, at Auburn Junction, we have Tesco Express. Does anybody know where it is? Does anybody know the bank that was there before? Ah. You're all guessing now. I'm looking at some of you that I think should know. What was it? Uh, 
Yeah, it was Bank of Scotland. It was Bank of Scotland. Ah, yes. That's CSB, so the other side, yes. CSB is there now. So if you are listening from wherever you are listening, just switch off now. We are talking about Dean, okay? So these are all matter. So I saw there Tesco Express, okay? And then as I was going, I look on my right. I saw Sainsbury's, uh, what is that Sainsbury's corner shop called? Sainsbury's convenience. I saw Sainsbury's local. And they don't have any qualms at all. There are Sainsbury's people, they will go to Sainsbury's. There are Tesco people, they will go to... Have you notice in the same mall, you will have McDonald's here and you will have Burger King here. Do they ever fight? And yet, church, even sometimes of the same denomination, when I talk to some of my friends, even thank God for churches like Redeem with all the strengths, and say, the man said, you people don't have problem. He said, two of their churches will be in the same city. They won't talk to one another. So he said, I should calm down before I start wanting to link with him. Let him first talk with somebody from his same. Because we don't know that collaboration is the only thing that will bring growth and increase. And somebody says another way. He says, your net worth is based on your network. If your network is weak, your net worth is going to be very low. We don't network. Stories that I've had here that... Maybe I tell you some of them. Hopefully, you know, it's a story that I've had. Some of the things that we don't do. I've gone to places. I said, look, we, we, that's not an area that we, we, we've been doing. What you are doing, we want to contribute to what you are doing. I was rebuffed. You won't believe. I won't say more than that. And I'm not putting blame. I'm not being negative. I'm only telling you that, brethren, there's scope for us to change things. And there are things that God has helped us to do as a church and we've done well to a degree because there was a vacuum in that area when we came to town. And then the thing has now grown to an extent and now that now seems to be kind of an easy area where everybody should go. And people are now trying to do it and some couldn't do it. The next thing was that they then send ways to come and find out how it's being done so that they can go and do it. Why don't we all have one very big one together? Because we don't know that networking will... Jesus, look, this Jesus, we, we, are, we, are making, we are not making him happy. Because as he looks at it and I say, children, instead of doing your own little, little things here and there, combine it and you will, you will see a mighty explosion. Of course, you know that the greatest challenge of believers, and Jesus has said, he said, the man said, we shall be there of his own house. You know, you know, you know, the greatest challenge of us as the Christian church is not from outside, it's from inside. It's from inside. All right, if I give you point number five, let me talk a little bit about network. Uh, that's where I feel like, and thank God, I, God's faithful. Um, I asked them to bring that pulpit because I wasn't sure. I probably thought I would need to, to lean on it a little bit. I'm, I'm strong. It's just very stuffiness, but you know, God, God is a God, the healing God. And during the space of time, you know, I, I when we say network, hmm, what does network mean? To link up with people. You agree? 
to network. Usually when we talk of network, people are looking for somebody whom they will go to and help them. That's what people are looking at. So if I say I want to network with uh, Dickens Sylvester now, usually the average person, what I will have in mind is that the man is doing well. He's in the oil industry. He's making a lot of money there. And I learned actually that he's very high ranking there. And me, I need a job. And so let me network. Let me network with this man of God. That's not networking. If I want to network with him, even though I don't have a job, you know what I will do? I will find something that he does not have that I can contribute to his life. People go, they say, and they don't take them serious. Let me tell you one story. It's not even a story. It's just a very short anecdote. I know the person. There's this story going around that, you know, uh, they make deals on golf course. You've you heard about that before. Uh, that if you really want to, you know, that's why you can get connection. I had golf set. I had. <laughs> and try this once or twice. I tell you, just not my thing, to be honest. And please don't take this negatively. I mean, just don't like walking aimlessly. I rather, so, sorry, I didn't mean that. I mean, I mean walking, hitting a ball. Sorry, sorry. So, you will know where I'm going. Just loosen up a little bit. I purposely said that. And so this guy, the little money he had, he registered for a golf club, a golf, a, a golf club, and bought very good set of golf clubs and thinking that he will meet people there. You are all laughing. The problem is that you don't tea with person that is not usually your you can say hello to you. And even if they if they if you get to talk to them, they first size you up, what do you carry? So it's easy to network. How do I network? When, when I was pondering about this network thing, I said, okay, here I am. And apart from the deliberate steps I made, and every step I've made in this city at the leadership level is always what can, I, what can we give? I've mentioned that to you many times. We're doing Faith Clinic now. The first money that we collected was 167 pounds. We used those Coca-Cola bottles. Do you remember them? That you, you put coins in them. Came to 167 pounds. We carried the money, we gave it to Teen Challenge. And I know that without any shadow of doubt, we shall have our own facility because there's a need for it, not because we are competing. And nobody stepped into that void. So we added value, isn't it? I look at myself at the personal level. How am I networking? Who at my network? After all, it's very easy to say, who are my network? You know my network? My network is this place. Those moments in which people come around, pray for me. Those phone calls I made, I'm adding value. That's my next work. I'm not doing anything consciously. I'm not looking for anything. What I'm just doing is that I'm taking care of people. And naturally, if you take care of people, people will take care of you. It does not need to be in the church anywhere. In your neighborhood, they have been in regularly. You are networking. 
You're not looking for anything. You find out that the woman has not come out for three days. Go and knock at the door. Say, I don't want to be intrusive. I just want to find out whether you are okay. You are networking. Somebody making sense out of it. There are business networking you can do. And these are the things Christ called us to do so that we can be light of the world. Is there somebody struggling in their course? And you know they are struggling. They keep getting, you know, E or D or whatever. And you are getting A plus or whatever. If they are open unto it, network with them. That's networking. A man told a story about one guy, a young guy who was looking for, you know, who was looking for opportunity to, to grow. So you look for, and you can always look for people above you as well to network. Is that okay? And so this guy now saw him. He said they were at a meeting. So the man was a preacher. So as he left, so this guy ran after him. I said, hello, excuse me, excuse me. So he said, okay, what was the matter? What can I do for you? He said, sorry, sorry. I just want to give you my card. So the man just collected the card, put it in his pocket. How many cards do you receive that? And so when, when the guy left, then came back to him. I said, please, if you don't mind, if you can have your number. I said, okay, fine. If you want my number, give it to him. I mean, you can always. And then within the first 24 hours that this guy collected the number, he started sending an encouraging message to this minister. I mean, genuinely encouraged basically. I mean, I'm not talking about uh, all is well kind of thing. And all is well. I mean, I mean, sometimes when people are going through challenges, when you say all this, all is well, we, we can finish it for them. But I mean, this guy will send things very revelational. Sometimes we send things that we touch this man of God exactly where he was. So that thing connect, continue for one week, two weeks, three months. And so the man, then one day, suddenly, he didn't hear from this guy. Now that's how you know you have a value. When they miss you. When this man said this, trust him. He's, you know, my beloved brother, George uh, Adeboe. I thought the thing was harsh. What did he say? He said somebody was in his church and the guy didn't turn up, which is not good though, for three months. And the guy came back and said, I was away for three months and nobody asked of me. They said, we didn't miss you. <laughs> That's not good. But at the same time, <laughs> There are some of you, one meeting, I will miss you. Yeah, we should look for everybody. I agree. But what I'm using that as an example to teach is that, please, make an impact in people's lives that they will miss you. That they will miss you. So anyway, that man missed this guy. And for some strange reason, he called him. He said, what's happening? The guy said, well, he's been going through some tough times or whatever. So the guy sent for him. And when this guy came to his office, he said, what exactly, what do you do? Because this man that gave his testimony was himself, though got a lot of influence and eye up in ministry and has a lot of business interests. He said, what do you do? And the guy opened his mouth and started telling him. I said, you are not leaving this office. I'm hiring you immediately. He said, that's an area that will be looking for help. He said, well, you've been hanging. You didn't see anything. He said, well, <laughs> I just laid in my heart to just support you and love you. So I mentioned that some of you will know him. The guy has now risen to the level in which I think he's a, he's, he's, he's a, he's a guy. He said it's one particular guy like that in Nigeria, but I'll, I'll, I'll spare his name. That's why you mentioned you know, his name. You know, is it Steve Harris or something like that? That you will, you will know that he's the person that. And he said that's how the guy rose up. Don't walk alone. And God will help you. Yeah. Finally, um, what have we said today? 
Which one jumped at you? Networking. Because you are all looking for money. <laughs> and I warned you that this network I'm talking about is not about money, but I know, I know. Which one jump at you again? 101. Creator, creator. Fine. Eh? Start small. Hmm? What did you say? Start saving. <laughs> I feel like giving you a high five. <laughs> I think I will dedicate a whole week, maybe a whole month to finance in this church. I think we will. There are too many things that we should know. Mm. What month are we? How many months in this year? Thank you, sir. Five months. I believe that by the special help of God and without winning the lottery. Without. That it's very possible for you to be dead free before the end of this year. But a few things we need to take note of. Don't tolerate negativity because your heart must be opened. A few things you must also take note of that offer your value to somebody. It's a well-worn story. You've heard it before. We were in London. When I learned it happened, I didn't have a first-hand experience of it. There was this guy that was in working, I think it was on Wood Green. The person told me the story. Wood Green in London. And there was this particular McDonald's around that area. And this guy came to town good old days. Early internet, all those things were not available. And he wanted to do a deal with a company and they finished discussing it. And so, but he had problem in understanding what they discussed. Because this guy that was talking was from the Arab world. So in his desperation or just to chill out a little bit, he entered to this McDonald's. I was talking and he said, in his alternate English, does anybody speak Arabic here? So this guy who was doing, some of you have heard of this before, this guy who was flipping burger, they don't really flip burger anyway, so, but they call it flipping burger. This guy was, you know, making hamburgers there. Started speaking to the guy in Arabic, and the Arabic was fantastically fluent. He said, please, we don't mind, come with me immediately. He said, I can't leave, my supervisor will say. So he whispered to him, that he's got a big deal to do in town and he will pay you one million pounds. So, now, a few options were open to the supervisor. <laughs> supervisor should follow. <laughs> oh, Jesus is Lord. That guy left home in the morning at that time, the minimum was around three pounds something. Probably was three forty, about three forty around that time. If you had done eight-hour shift, you will have, <laughs> you will have <laughs> less than thirty pounds, give or take. 
Because the tax man, at the end, that man will take his money. And that man went back home with one million pounds that day. Apparently non-taxable. Because he can always declare it as just a gift. And if it's a gift, it shouldn't be taxable. Now, I gave you way out because I know the calculation and the permutations of God, they were beyond what I've shared. But not one thing is that you should stop being negative. Do those basic little things. Do small things. Maybe in saving, maybe somebody, maybe in, in cutting some expenses. Do those ones. Maybe in networking. And you will get there. Final point. Final point. Final point. That should be from Genesis chapter 2. Yeah, number 26. Give me a copy of the Bible. Then it should be Genesis 2. Put Genesis 2.26 there, please. Let me check. My, have I got a Bible here? Um... No, Genesis 2, 26, I said. I'll get the Bible verse for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, 19. Genesis 2, 19. And that's my final point. Amen? We shall shine. And the church needs to hear this message. Now, once you walk closely with God and you follow his basic rules, the issue of unrighteousness and sin and setback God will help you to deal with them. And you must be, and the same principle can apply to those areas, okay? I'm only using the obvious to teach you the less obvious, using the visible to teach you the invisible. All right. Shall we read together verses 19 and 20, please, quickly? And I say one or two things, and then I'll pray for the church. One, two, go, shall we? Yes. Yes. Leave it there. Don't move. Go back, sir. Go back, sir. Or back to verse 19. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he will what. And whatever Adam called each living creature that was his name. Read that last sentence for me. I want to go. And point number one. Nobody gives name to himself. It's never legal or legitimate in human societies. And this crossed my mind as well when I was thinking about it. There were some of us that had to change our names because of some of the connections that he had. And the wise things that most guys have done and most lasses have done that I've seen, they don't add another name. They just convert their first and middle names into first and last name, which makes sense. Uh, I have many examples like that. So I'm just reiterating the point that nobody should give yourself a name. You agree with me? But even in those real circumstances when... The Bible says in Joel chapter 3, verse 10, it said, Beat your plowshare into, uh, beat your sword into plowshare and your sword into pruning hooks and say, Let the weak say. Now, it is him that is telling you to say that. 
When Jacob's name was changed, Jacob did not change his name. I want to settle that first so that when I talk about this, whatever it's called, it's not about you calling yourself name. So I want to get that out of the way. And that was a clear revelation to me myself because I said, Ah, Lord, I will call myself rich. I will call myself big. God, God said, Calm down, calm down. That's not what that passage is saying. Calm down. It's not about you calling yourself names. You can call yourself anything, you're not going to become it. It's not what you call yourself. Names are given to people. Even Jesus was given a name. Names must be given. But, verse 19, please put it back on the screen. That was my suggestion. Or rather, my instruction. Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. I will close on that very quickly. It says, and God brought those created things to Adam and see what he will call them. Point number two God brings things to your life and is watching you what you will call them. Including relationships. God brings wives to our lives, is watching you what you will call her. Brings husband. But more commonly, the one we tend to overlook, children. Irrespective of the state in which they are, the name you call them, that's the, way they, the name they will bear. If you call them stubborn, that's what they will bear. If you call them godly, they will end up being godly. So, the center of everything depends on you calling what is around you. Now, God did not say, now, back to my point before, he didn't say you should call yourself, but you can call your bank account prosperous because you are calling a thing. You can call your job peaceful because you are calling a thing. So there's room for you to look at your circumstances around you and call it the name. The name you call it, that's what it will bear. And that's one way to shine in a perpetual manner. Don't allow the enemy to say otherwise to you. If you do these things, happy are ye. Amen. Lord, breathe on us. Give us all that we need to fulfill the great potential that you are putting us. Your church will shine. And we are your church. Remove from us every limitation that we have placed on ourselves. But better still, give us the wisdom and the strength to remove our heads from every limitation that's upon us. Standing on that very last scripture, you have brought people here today. And I know I can say that applies to me. And you are watching what I will call them. I call you blessed. I call you righteous in Christ Jesus. I call you prosperous in the name of the Lord Jesus. I call you healed in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it shall stand. And you will shine for this God.
No longer shall we walk around as defeated people. We shall walk as victors. Men and women God has breathed upon. Lord, we thank you. Holy Spirit, I leave these words in your hand. I pray we do work of salvation in the heart of anyone who has not made a clear cut decision for you. I pray we do the work of other blessings in healing, in deliverance, and every other good thing. Thank you, Father. Let your word work. Let your name be glorified. Every prayer, every prophetic utterance that have come out during these brief few moments, I cry out, my Father, my God, in your love and in your kindness, let all those words come to pass. And let it be speedily so. Thank you, Father. Give you honor and glory. Jesus, mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.